Today we'll speak about using anapanasati beneficially in the household life. You shouldn't think that anapanasati is only for those who are anagarika, those who are homeless, such as monks and nuns living in the monastery. Anapanasati is something that can be used successfully and beneficially even for those who are following the, the household life with a home and possessions and family and all those ordinary businessy things. You should know that Anapanasati has existed for a long, long time. It has existed in the form of an art or as a form of culture from since long, long ago, way before even the Buddha's time. Even way back then, human beings understood how to use the breath, how to breathe in the most beneficial way for carrying on life. To the name for the most concise name for this is called breath control or pranayama which has been studied and practiced since before the Buddhist time and then on over the centuries until even nowadays we are practicing it. Even long ago ordinary people wanted to have a kind of breathing which was most beneficial and they were interested in having a kind of breathing in the most correct kind of breathing so that they could sweep away any harmful moods or emotions which took over the mind. Even ordinary people learned how to breathe correctly so that these harmful emotions could be gotten rid of immediately. This, this knowledge goes back so far that we have to call it since immemorial times This knowledge of the breathing was explored so that people could get rid of any harmful thoughts and feelings which came into the mind. And then the powers of anapanasati were studied more and more until it could be used as a basis for certain very miraculous powers, even things like being able to float and fly through the air. This kind of study and knowledge became more and more well-known until that even ordinary people were interested in using the breathing properly so that they could breathe correctly and be at ease and at peace at any time. And so, if certain kinds of feelings came over them, they could use the breathing to make it long and relaxed in order to sweep those feelings out of the mind. 
this is, if you think about it, most, most natural. For example, when we yawn, even though we're not doing it intentionally, you can see how a yawn is a, a natural way of, of correcting the breathing to help us to relax and be calm. And things like this show how that we, how we can use anapanasati to keep our lives peaceful, correct, and balanced. The Prince Siddhartha, who eventually became the Buddha, there's a story of how when he was only seven years old, he was able to do anapanasati. Even at the age of seven, he was able to to develop this. And as it says in the book, there arose such strength of mind that he could keep the shadows from changing. The, the shadows of the made by the sun shining on trees or whatever. Normally these are constantly moving. But he was able to keep them from moving because of this strength that came from anapanasati. This is this is what it says in the the old the old books. Or abilities like being able to to make everyone present see something that isn't really there. All kinds of things like this are attributed to the the strength and power that can come once anapanasati has been developed correctly. And so it became very, very ordinary back in those days that even children could cultivate this. And then especially young men and young, young women would give attention to this so that their minds would be trained and further developed and they would get the benefits of such well-developed minds. Back then it was quite an ordinary thing. Back in those days it was such an ordinary thing. All kinds of people were using this in their ordinary life in ordinary homes. But then when we come to this time, it's just about disappeared. Nobody is is using it. And so this understanding, this this skill has been lost. So we ought to so then we have to go and research it and study it anew. And then to start this knowledge and understanding up again in this, this later times. It's something that can't just be left in the monasteries or in special meditation centers. It's something that needs to belong in, in every home. Nowadays we use the word domestic about all kinds of things that we use to fill our houses. But we only use the word domestic about material goods and possessions. We never use the word domestic about mental things, spiritual things. Let's start to use the, expand the use of the word ment domestic to mental and spiritual things. And let's, let's start to bring the practice of anapanasati into all our homes 
so that it's no longer something strange, but something very ordinary like it used to be. And then if, if we can do this, if anapanasati is just an ordinary part of domestic life, then a, con- a certain condition will also return. The condition that we will be able to sweep away any harmful, any ugly moods which arise as soon as we need to. So now we're going to talk about these harmful moods and emotions once again. We'll go through them word by word. Love, anger, hatred, fear, excitement, worry, anxiety, um, worry and anxiety about the future and then longing after the past, jealous, envy, envy, jealousy, um, the kind of the special kind of mm-hmm. jealous possessiveness between husbands and wives, mm-hmm. and then the the inclination to feel that things are to always feel that things are either positive or negative. These are only examples of the various harmful moods that can occur, but these these ample examples are enough for you to understand the the problem that we're talking about and the damage they can do. Anapanasati is able to sweep them away quickly, immediately. Anyone who is expert at anapanasati can can get rid of any of these evil moods with just one breath. Anyone who has practiced up through step four where one is able to calm the breathing to make it very, very peaceful and subtle and thereby calm the body. Anyone who is expert at this will be able to to calm away any, any harmful emotion just with one breath, just one in breath and it can be swept away, calmed away completely. This is something extremely ordinary. It, it can happen naturally without our even doing so intentionally. If you observe carefully in life, you'll see that there are times when the, the deep, long breaths occur naturally, spon- spontaneously, such as with a, sometimes a yawn or a, a, long, a, a long gulp, relaxed gulp, of air, which relaxes the body and quiets the mind. This happens, can happen naturally. But we can do even better than that by training and developing as we're doing in our practice here. We can develop this to the point where we can intentionally get rid of any of those harmful emotions with just one breath, one quick breath. This will be of very great benefit in our ordinary daily life, especially at home. For example, when it's time to go to sleep, but you're unable to sleep because of some bad mood 
or disturbing thought tormenting you. If you've, if you've studied the breathing as we're doing here and developed it correctly, then you'll be able to drive off, to chase away those bad moods or whatever it is that's keeping you awake, and then you'll be able to go, go to sleep. Or, or when, even if there's nothing keeping us awake, if before we go to sleep we use the breathing to prepare ourselves and then stay with the breathing until we fall off asleep, then we will sleep more soundly, more deeply, more restfully than, than otherwise. These, these are perfect examples from the, the household life, something that applies in every home, how we can use anapanasati to, to free ourselves from those bad moods and emotions which are, are messing up ordinary life. Second item is that by practicing anapanasati, we will have four things which are of tremendous value in daily life. These four are sati, mindfulness, panya, wisdom, sampachanya, clear or ready comprehension, or wisdom in action, and then samadhi, concentration, collectedness. Having these four things is essential to lead a, a peaceful and healthy life. Through practicing anapanasati, we will not only have all four of these things, but we will have them, we'll have enough of them. They'll be sufficient for our needs. So there are, there's sati, mindfulness, panya, wisdom, sampajanya, clear comprehension, and samadhi concentration. These will be there in sufficient strength for all your needs. We like to call these the four comrades because they work together in a very important way. Let us, let us give you an easy ordinary example of how this works. In ordinary life when any sight, sound, smell, touch, whatever makes contact with the mind. There has to be sati, first of all. Anything comes in, when anything has made contact with the mind, there must be mindfulness there. This is, this is first. And then that mindfulness goes and recollects wisdom. It, it recollects wisdom and then brings the wisdom, it transports the wisdom that we have studied, that we have gained already. We can get this wisdom from studying, from ordinary learning, or, or it can be the wisdom that arises through training in anapanasati. But whatever kind of wisdom, not ordinary knowledge or deeper understanding that we have gained, mindfulness can transport it to the specific situation that has arisen at the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, or mind. When it's just general stored with knowledge, we call it wisdom, panya. But when that knowledge, that wisdom comes 
and is applied in a specific situation for a specific event, its name changes and we call it Sampachanya, Sampachanya, ready wisdom, ready knowledge, or sometimes translated clear comprehension. When it's a duty-specific wisdom, we call it Sampachanya, the, the knowledge you need to deal specifically with this this function, this duty. We could call it function-specific wisdom. This we call Sampachanya. And then maybe the mind's strength is, is weak, the mental power is a bit weak. So then there must be Samadhi, concentration, must come in and support these other factors with its, its strength and power. These are the four comrades, the four Dhamma comrades, that work together in this way. Something very important in <coughs> ordinary life. Think about this example, the, the gun that you've got locked up in the, the closet and the gun that you use to shoot the, the dangerous criminal. They're two different kinds of gun. But on the other hand, it's, it's the same gun. There's the gun that we've got locked away here and then there's the gun that we use to shoot. Just shoot this this dangerous criminal. In one way it's two different guns and in another way it's the same gun. If you think about this, you'll help you to understand what we mean by wisdom, which we've developed and stored, and then Sampachanya, that duty-specific wisdom that's used for just this, this situation here. To get the gun, there has to be mindfulness to, to retrieve the gun, and then that wisdom becomes Sampachanya. And then to pull the trigger and shoot and aim properly and do all these things takes mental energy, takes concentration or samadhi. So that's how the four, the four comrades work together. If you don't have any, any mindfulness, all your knowledge and understanding is utterly useless. Without mindfulness, all these things we've learned in life, and, and most of us, most of you have been to university, have read all kinds of books, and have crammed your heads full of all kinds of knowledge and information. But without mindfulness, you can't use any of it. It's just a waste. So first of all, there has to be mindfulness. And then with it, we can retrieve that knowledge, understanding, and wisdom that we have developed. And then it's that function or duty-specific wisdom that we call Sampachanya. And then sufficient energy is provided by samadhi, enough energy that we can penetrate the, the problem. There's all these problems facing us in this busy modern world. This world is full of all kinds of things coming to trouble us. And so we need this mindfulness and this wisdom and then have to apply it correctly to the situation as sampachanya and then enough mental strength to penetrate and pass through the problem. These four
comrades are essential in modern life. The more complicated, the more developed that modern life gets, the more that these things are necessary. Without them, you'll have very great difficulty surviving. So through training in anapanasati, we develop these four comrades so that we've got them in sufficient strength to use them in our ordinary daily life. In practicing the first stage of anapanasati regarding the body, the gaya, then we develop quite a bit of sati and sampachanya regarding the body and just ordinary, ordinary physical matters. And then through practicing in the other stages, this sati and sampachanya is developed further and further so that it can be used regarding all kinds of things. Siti Sampachanya regarding the feelings is developed in the second stage about the Vetana, contemplation of Vetana. And so that we have plenty of mindfulness and, and ready wisdom with which to deal with any of the pleasant, unpleasant and neutral feelings that come up in life. In the last stage, dealing with Dhamma, this is where Panya, wisdom, really develops, where there's wisdom about all things, about all nature, a deep and penetrating understanding of nature. And then in the third area, the third stage about the Jita, this is where Samadhi is really refined and perfected. If we train in all four areas sufficiently, then these four comrades will will have them more than enough. There will even be plenty left over of these four comrades if we've trained in all four areas of anapanasati. Imagine a person, and there's lots of them who've studied at many universities, And then so they've got a a long tail of diplomas wagging behind them. And they've got all this knowledge and all this wisdom they've stored up. But that's all they've got. They've got piles and piles of wisdom. But if they don't have any mindfulness, it's all just a waste. And this is the situation we've got in the world. We've got a modern education where we, we get a lot of intelligence knowledge, information, just a bunch of wisdom, but no mindfulness, no no ready wisdom, no applied wisdom, and no samadhi. And so we've got all this 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 knowledge, this wisdom flooding our minds, and we're not able to use it because our our education is incomplete. We need to have a kind of education that is complete, that develops all four of these comrades. And then if we also develop mindfulness and sampachanya and samadhi, concentration, then, then all that wisdom we've picked up, all that understanding will become useful. Now it's, it's useless, it's meaningless, it's just stored away. It doesn't do any good. In fact, it often is even worse. It 
often is merely a bunch of cleverness. All this intelligence can become just clever. And often it rebels without mindfulness and wisdom in action and samadhi. All this knowledge can rebel and cause us lead to all kinds of craving, attachment, all kinds of out-of-control thoughts, defilements, and of course, a lot of pain and misery. So we need to, to have correct, complete, balanced education that not only develops wisdom, but that trains mindfulness, um, duty-specific wisdom, and samadhi. The third item is that we will have sense organs which are much more powerful than ordinary. We'll be able to, to see things, hear things, smell things, and so on in a way that's much more sensitive, much more receptive, much more powerful than ordinary. With mindfulness and wisdom in action, with concentration, the sense organs will function in a very efficient, a most efficient way, and their abilities will be greatly expanded. There's a secret here that you probably haven't even realized. You may not even be aware that these sense organs of ours are tremendously inefficient, or the way they are ordinarily. When we say they're inefficient, what we mean is that we look, but we don't see. We listen, but we don't hear. We, and the same with all the rest. We look at things, we look at them, but we don't really see them deeply. We don't really see them truthfully, profoundly. We're, there's not enough mindfulness and ready comprehension to really see things as they are. We listen, we listen, but we don't have the mindfulness and sampachanya to really hear. And in this way, our sense organs are tremendously inefficient. We're not using their capabilities nearly as much as we could. This is something that should be understood because through anapanasati, we can have the sati and sampachanya to to use these sense organs most effectively, most efficiently, so we really see, really hear, really smell, and so on. You ought to increase the efficiency and the power of your, of your sense organs, these eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind. You ought to develop them through anapanasati, developing sati, sampachanya, and so on so that these sense organs will be most effective. And that will help you to cope with this, this tremendously busy, chaotic world of ours, in which things are moving so fast, happening so quickly, that we can barely keep up. If we develop these eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind, so they're most efficient, then we'll be able to, to deal with all these, this modern chaos and confusion. Please give attention to this. The fourth item is that we can have happiness 
immediately as soon as we want it, as soon as we need it. Any time, any place, any situation where we we need some happiness, we can have it immediately. Don't have to wait even a second. Because we've trained anapanasati, specifically through our practice with the Vedana, the second stage, or tetrad, we can have piti and sukha whenever we want, wherever we want, as they need them. We'll be able to have them whenever, wherever, in the strength, in the quantity, in, for the duration that we choose. We will have developed these things and worked with these things so that we can call them up whenever we need them. You don't have to wait even a bit. It's like having a genie who can give us these things whenever we need them. This is something that will come through training in anapanasati. The fifth item is that we'll be able to to reach to, attain to, or become one with the supreme thing, the supreme highest thing. You can call this God if you want, but here we call it Nibbana. Through Anapanasati, we come closer and closer and closer and closer to the supreme thing, to Nibbana, until we penetrate into and are, are one with it. Through Anapanasati, you can be one with God or one with Nibbana, one with this, this highest, this supreme thing, whatever we call it. We can get closer and closer until being one with it. This is the fifth item. To be this thing, Nibbana, is that which is above all suffering, all pain, all dukkha. To come closer and closer to this supreme thing is to be beyond all problems. In Dhamma language, we say it's to be above the world to be beyond the world, to be to transcend all the worldly conditions and the problems and the, the hassles that come with it. This is Nibbana, to be completely free of all pain, all defilement, all, all dukkha. Through Anapanasati, we can come closer and closer to this, this highest thing. This, this is how we can use anapanasati even in daily life. This is not anything special that needs to be left in the monastery. This supreme thing is everywhere, even at home. And so we can use anapanasati to come closer and closer to it, even in the household, until becoming one with it, even at home. So please have anapanasati as a, a domestic thing. It's not something just for the monastery. You can have it to benefit you even at home, to protect you, to solve problems, to give up or renounce anything that we have to get rid of. It can help us in all ways if we have it as part of our domestic equipment. So in summary, we can say that we have almighty breathing. We have breathing that can be used whenever we need it. 
we can call on it to do whatever task we need it to do. And so we call it almighty, almighty breathing. <laughs> this is our summary of the fruits and benefits of mindfulness with breathing. It's raining now, so we'll, we'll end the talk at this time. <laughs> if you'd like to escape the rain, please go over to the theater. And then when the rain lightens up, Tan Subodha will lead you over to the meditation hall for a guided meditation sitting. <laughs>